Welcome to Urban Hope Community Church's podcast, and Happy New Year. Today's sermon is titled, Leading People Out of Egypt and Into the Promised Land of Freedom, from Exodus 3, 7 through 8, and Exodus 13, 17 through 22, preached by Senior Pastor Alton Hardy. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up and out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Sukkah and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud and to lead them along the way by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. And they might travel by day and by night. And the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from the people before the people. The grass withers. And the flowers fade. You may be seated. We're going to be dressing up first Sunday, which is our communion Sunday, so you're probably asking why are some of us a little more dressed up than others. And we just thought as leadership in church that this would just be something for us to just to... Um, we're coming to worship Yahweh, worship our God and our Lord. And most of us, we go to lots of weddings, and we always dress up for a wedding. Um, it's just we just kind of know that's what we need to do. But in all reality, Jesus is the true groom. He's the one that we come here for. And so we want to just to kind of bring some of that back. So we want you to bring, put on your best, whatever your best is. Because you're going to meet King Jesus. If you knew Jesus was going to be here in the physical, how would you come to him? I'll come to him. My breath will be fresh. My beard will be lined up. <laughs> I'm talking to King Jesus. So I want to come in that stature, in that posture of heart and mind. So, But anyway, um, here at Urban Hope, at the beginning of every year, it has been our custom at Urban Hope Community Church to do a sermon that is connected to the vision, the heartbeat of why this church exists here in Fairfield. Um, we do this because um, vision, some of you know this, it has a tendency to do what? To mission drift over time. As new people come in, we read this, it's like, what are we talking about? And so it just kind of gets, it, it, it can fall off. And so we'd like to do this at the beginning of every year just to kind of recalibrate and bring people up to speed um, why this church exists here in Fairfield. And so basically the theme of the sermon today it is what it is. It's the leading people out of Egypt. I'm going to explain Egypt a lot more and into the promised land of freedom. Promised land, when God made you in your mother's womb, he created you and I. He created us for a purpose. Everything God does is with a purpose. Say purpose. purpose. 
You were made by God for a purpose. The fish in the sea has a purpose. A catfish has a purpose. Y'all know what God created a catfish to do for the rivers? To keep it clean. But we love catfish. We love pork. We're having a potluck today as I was trying to debate, should I get the pig or not? Should I get the swine? We love pork. We love squid, the pig. But do you guys know why the pig was created? What is what a pig does on the land? He eats everything. He'll eat you if you're out there laying dead. <laughs> but we love that bacon. We love that ham. This is why the Jews would not touch a pig. And I thank God that I'm in the New Covenant. I'm in the New Testament. I bless that pig in the name of Jesus. I eat all of that pork and all of those ribs and, and everything else. So God's created a pig for that. He created a buzzer for this. He created you for something. You and I, we've all been created. And so that's the promised land God has. But Egypt, I'm going to get into that. Egypt represents the opposite of that. And so the overarching um, of the Bible is this from, from this, this lifestyle of, 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 of Egypt and then God bringing his people. When he saves us, bringing us to the promised land, he's created you and I for a purpose, for a destiny on this side of heaven. And the ultimate promised land is where we all get to heaven and the new earth, and we get to live out what God has called us to be and to do for all eternity. But in the short duration, there are some things that God wants you to complete and to do before you leave this planet. For some, to be a pastor. That was my calling. For some of you, it's other things. So therefore, that's what we mean by promised land. But this is important, what I'm about to say. Making my transition here. But we live in a time where people think that all success, meaning the promised land success, comes about in a day or in a week, maybe a year. We have come to believe that social media posts with some likes behind it and maybe some retweets equal Christian success. Maybe a little ministry success in evangelism, a sermonette talk here or there. And therefore, we have surely come to the apex of success, of figuring this Christian thing out, and therefore, we have entered the promised land of the Christian life of success in our marriages, in our personal careers and callings from the Lord. We have complete victory over our sexual addictions and our manifold temptations. We have success over our overt sin habits, our slothfulness, our selfishness, all of our bad habits and bad attitudes, and all of this gets done only in a few days, maybe in a few weeks, maybe a few months, maybe a year or two. We've come to believe that. And this is what I see as the modern-day Christian formation and thinking that many have in this hour that I'm going to get out of Egypt and therefore I'm going to get to this promised land in three weeks. Not true, my brothers and sisters. And so I have two main objectives this morning. That's true. The first one, my main objective this morning is to drive home 
what we mean by Egypt. The Egypt that is in us all right now here this morning. The Egypt that is in this community of Fairfield, which includes the high school, Miles College students, and the residents of Fairfield that are coming and going. I want to drive home what we mean by Egypt. And the second objective is to drive home why we are here in Fairfield as a church. And the second part of that objective is to understand the way and the process that God uses in taking us to the promised land. So let's answer the first one. What do we mean by the term Egypt in our vision statement? Well, a few weeks ago, some of you were not here, talked about the Christmas story, the true meaning of Christmas, and why we need a Christmas in the first place. And I took us back to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. In chapter 2, God gave a command. You can eat of all the trees in the middle of the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you cannot eat. In chapter 3, we know the story. Adam lapsed in his responsibility as a man, as a husband, with his wife. He stepped back, didn't take leadership. Still see that today. Most men won't take leadership in the home, in the church. So we have to try to corral them, run them down, encourage them to be the men of God that God has called them to be. Most men want to be like Adam. Sit back and let their wife do all the spiritual leading. She does all the Bible reading, all the praying, all the fasting while you play video games. Something's wrong with that. That's what Adam would have been doing if he'd been in, in the garden. He would have like been over there playing Matin 24. While she over there battling with the, with the devil. And that's how we got in the problem in the per- first place. And so we went back to that chapter. Adam disobeyed God, and then the Bible says there was a fall of humankind. We fell into sin. We talked about there being two kinds of death, spiritual and physical death. That's why we die. That's why we get old. That's why our eyes get dim. That's why we're sick with COVID and everything else. It all comes from that. God said, the day you eat of that tree, you're going to surely die. And God was talking about spiritual death and also physical death. And God says, through that one man's sin, sin came into the world through one man, and death spread through that one man, all sin. And all men sin because of that. We got our Adam, we have his DNA. That's why you sin a lot. That's why I sin a lot, because we all were born in that condition. And so Apostle Paul He explains in the book of Romans, I want you to go there, turn to page 1118 in the Pew Bible, because Paul, I want to explain what we mean by spiritual death, and this is a part of Egypt. Egypt is is not what God intended for us to have, but when Adam sinned since that time, we're all born into an Egypt state of mind, a spiritual death. And so Paul explains what this spiritual death is, entails, what it really means. So page 118, Romans chapter 3, Paul explains what this spiritual death is. So you want to know what it is? 
When we mean Egypt, getting people out of Egypt, this is what we're talking about. Romans chapter 3, um, starting with verse 9, Paul has been explaining about how all are under sin, the religious person as well as the Gentiles. We're all in the same boat. We're all equally sinful. So Paul begins to explain what these, what these sin traits are and what we, where, where we are in Egypt before God comes to get us. He says in verse 9, what then? Are we Jews any better off? The religious people. Paul says, no. I am no better than any guy out on the streets. That's why when I walk up to a fair filling, I can connect with him because I know in my heart I'm no better. Doesn't matter what my education is, what house I live in, how I dress. I am just as in need of the grace of God as the greatest gangbanger in Fairfield. Paul said, the Jew, you're no better. You may have had the law of God. You know Moses, but you are no more righteous than him who knows nothing about God, Paul says. For we've already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. It's not the religious people don't have any more less sin. No, we got just as much. So Paul says, We've already charged the Jews and Greeks, the Gentiles, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. Say none is righteous. That means none of us in this room outside of Christ are righteous. We're all in the Egypt mindset before God comes to us. He says none is righteous, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. If God don't come down the stairway of heaven, no one will surely come up to him. We're all equally sinful. We don't understand. No one seeks for God. Thank God he's the great shepherd and he goes after his lost sheep. The sheep don't come back to the shepherd. The shepherd goes looking for the sheep. <laughs> no one seeks after God. And then Paul goes on to say, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. Their thinking is futile. They just can't think good thoughts. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And Paul's talking to all of humanity. He's not talking to some people. He's talking to all of humanity. No one does good, not even one. Verse 13, their throat is an open grave. You ever talk to a person when the breath is like an open grave? <laughs> Doesn't smell well. Paul is trying to give this, 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 this image is the, us in Egypt, just, just a, our mouths are like an open grave. It's like, it's like decaying death. He's going somewhere with this. They use their tongues to deceive. They spew out death. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouths is full of curses and bitterness. You hear the modern music? 
They can't come up with good songs. It's, it's going from sexy red to even worse. And it's, we're dancing to it. We're singing it. We, it's, it's just cursing and bitterness. It's just full of filth. That's Egypt. That's what's at the award shows. It's just cursing and swearing and bitterness and gossip shows. Want to be a social media influencer just talking about people. Just, just bitterness and, and gossiping and, and just full of curses and, 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 and the hearts and the mouths. And it's just an open grave. It's just decay, decay, decay. That's Egypt. Go to a party this in the next month. And just listen and just sit there on the wall and just say, let me not dance for a moment and just listen to the lyrics. And you're trying to tell me that's coming from Jesus. You know, one of the things I do now, I told my wife, I, you know, some of y'all get married, I'm just going to be honest, I ain't going to do no more reception. I'm, I'm good. I'm just too old. I know too much. <laughs> I just can't do it. <laughs> I just can't. I can't surf and sweat. I just can't do it. I just can't. I'm just being honest with you. Now, I used to do my two-step back in the day, but I just, I'm, I'm just good now. I'm not, I don't know if I'm getting old or whatever it is. I just can't get past the words. I'm like, Jesus, what would you do in this? Would you get up and two-step to this? Would you two-step to uh, little Boosie? Wipe me down. <laughs> I mean, I can see Jesus just, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I just can't do it. Apostle Paul, I ain't knocking you, because I'm just saying, where PA at? So, I'm going to do your wedding. Bless you. Two hands, two fingers, I'm out. <laughs> the feet of swift to shed blood. Just last night, yesterday, murders in Fairfield. Shot up. If this, this, this Paul is making, their feet are swift, meaning they are looking for the opportunity to murder somebody. It, it, it's not like this, oh, you made me, you broke in my home. No, they go out that day, I'm going to murder somebody. I'm going to put it in my music, and I'm going to live it out. That's Egypt. The mental mindset, their feet are swift. To shed innocent blood. And in their paths of ruin and misery. We got kill boys. What is that? <laughs> you can't even buy a Kia. A Hyundai. A Hyundai, whatever you call it. They just, they just create ruin and misery. You can't even just buy a car now and there's just people that's out there. And it's just like, that's my car. Well, if I can't get it, I'm going to bust your windows out. So you got signs all over the city of Birmingham, even downtown. Get off the highway. I saw a sign. If you're driving a Hyundai and a Kia, <laughs> like what kind of times are we living in? That's Egypt. They create ruin and misery. So I feel bad for you, those of you who have a Kia and a Hyundai. <laughs> the, the, they said the Kia boys they're going to get you. <laughs> I don't even know how they came up with that term. They just some little kids running around 
creating what Paul says here, ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. And then Paul says, this is his Egypt, spiritual death. There is no fear of God before their eyes. They don't think about God. They don't think about death. Here I am preaching about hell and heaven. They don't even know that a hell awaits them. They have no fear of God. They have sex with whom they want to have sex with multiple times. They break all of God's law. They have no fear of God before their eyes. Paul here in this text pretty much describes Fairfield and communities like Fairfield. Verse 14, the mouth is full of cursing, all the music and bitterness. Verse 15, their feet are swift to shed blood. It's all around us, from Chicago to Birmingham to Jackson, Mississippi. It's just constantly groaning and killing and murdering and children born out of wedlock. And nobody wants to get married. No one wants to obey God. Nobody fears God. It's just, that's Egypt. There's no fear of God before their eyes. I'm always thinking about Jesus when I'm listening to music or watching a movie or anything. I'm thinking about what Jesus thinks about this. Even when I went to see the color purple, I'm like, Jesus, what do you think about this? I'm trying to be careful. I'm sitting next to Sandy so I don't want to mess up her movie time. But she'll say, can you just watch a movie? <laughs> I said, hey, I'm trying. Honestly, I, I'm trying not to be, be critically thinking theologically here. But I just can't let anything come into my eye gates. So when they got to that little scene, I'm like, oh, I almost walked out. <laughs> Good thing they blurred it out a little bit. Because I'm like, I don't want to see sugar and fancy, whatever that is. Because <laughs> I'm going to preach against it. So if you got any ideas that God is endorsing that, no, he's not. <laughs> he's not endorsing sugar and uh, What's her name? Celie. I almost said Harpo. <laughs> That's Fairfield. But when I'm watching it, my mind is always thinking about what God thinks about this stuff. And so therefore, this is the Egypt state of mind playing itself out here in Fairfield. All right, now let me get to my second objective. I think you understand Egypt now. And that Egypt is in us. It's from Egypt. Let me pull this out so everybody can see it. We're born in Egypt, shaped by Egypt. God comes to save us. And he takes us on this journey to the promised land. And so here's the second part of answering the question. We know, now know what Egypt is, why we're here. Well, the first part of the second objective is answered now, why are we here? We're here for the same reasons that God came to Moses and told him in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 and 10. Notice what God says in verse 10. I want you to go back there real quick. God said, I'm going to send you. God has sent us here to, to help lead people out of Egypt. Page 54. God says, um, I have... Sent us here, verse 10, like he sent Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. 
So if you ever want to know why Urban Hoop exists, that's why we're here. We're here as, as missionaries, as ambassadors sent by Yahweh the King. Because we're in the book of Acts. We're sent by Jesus to go into the world to preach to people and to lead them and to disciple them out of Egypt. God tells Moses, verse 10, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That's why we're here. That's why Urban Hope exists. We are here to come disciple people, to preach to them the gospel of the good news that they've been born for much more than what they think they have. That, the, that, that there's, there's better music than Sexy Red. I was with my grandson over in, 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 um, in Atlanta this weekend in a football. He plays football. There was all these little kids, parents, grandparents. They were giving out trophies. And I said, man, what in the world we got going on? And they were singing a song with all the little girls, the little cheerleaders. And Pastor Chad, and I'm sitting there, I said, I text Dion, I tried to film it, send it to them, but they have the worst phone in the world. Guess what? Apple iPhone. And so they probably didn't get the clear version of it. And so, and they playing the song in there. I'm like, they got my grandson, man. If I didn't have my gun, my blicky on me, I'd probably be in jail. And they were in there singing, Skiwi. <laughs> and now they all there, my son, like, I said, Jaylee, what you got going on? She's like, look at me, what are you doing, my dad? <laughs> I said, Lord, I can't do it. And they out there just singing death and perversion. And the parents are just sitting there, and I'm looking at them. Do y'all have any spiritual inclination? And the DJ up there with a whole big gray beard, he just got the kids. That's a horrible song. I said, man, we got to put the urban hope over here. <laughs> so anyway, Jesus sends us into Egypt to help people come out of that craziness. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus saw all of us at one time. We were being harassed. We were helpless. So he came to us as a true Christmas gift, and he sent missionaries to us at campus outreach on college ministries. He sent missionaries to us, and he sent missionaries all the way 2,000 years ago called the apostles, which actually means sent ones. They came, they went out proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the gospel of the good news. And so we know that Jesus has come, that we may have life, Zoe life, and that we may have life more abundantly. That's called the promised land. But what are the things that we need to understand? And this is my second question. But what are the things that we need to understand? And here's where I'm going to turn a corner. About God's concerning the way and the process to the promised land. And this is important what I'm about to say. We need to understand this as young people. Because as Lord was talking to my heart, he said, you got to break this down. Because I think um, some people think you come out of Egypt and you get here in two days. And the word of God says um, it doesn't happen. So go to Exodus 13, because I'm going to go back here, because I want you to see this. 
And now Job, um, don't put the scriptures up. Turn it, go back to Exodus chapter um, 65. And I want you to put the map up. I want to have one slide. I want you to see this. Some of y'all probably can see it, but the word of God says, let me read it first. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. They actually tripped from where they were in Egypt to Canaan, which only would have been about 11 days. But the word of God says God did not take them that way. He took them the long way. And so even here on the map, you can see they're in here in the land of Gosham. They come down, cross the Red Sea, which we get that in the Bible. God could have just taken them right across here. They'd have been over there in 11 days. Quick. No process. You come out of Egypt and you just go straight to the promises of God. But the word of God lets us know that God did not take them the short way or the near way, but he took them the long way, all the way around. And how long were they in the wilderness? How many years? 40 years. 40 years they're in the wilderness. They were in the wilderness. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. So God says, he took them the long way. And God's process is the long way, not the short way. God will not Fix your, mar in your marriage in two days. You will not attain the marriage of people who have been married for 40 years in two years. Stop trying. Marriage is tough. I'm getting ahead of myself. And so the first thing we need to know, so turn with me now to, um, um, no, stay with me. But turn with me to page 180 in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 1 through 3. But I want to continue to make a few more points. Uh, the first thing in my, I want to make four points though. God takes the long way around. The long way around, he wants to build godly character in us. He can't build godly character in you in one year. He can't do it. He wants to build obedience in your life. He can't do that in one day. He wants to build perseverance in your life. And he does all of this in the long way around, in the journey all the way to the promised land. So that's what God's first point is. God takes the long way because the long way is where he builds character. He builds obedience. He builds perseverance. He's working on you and I. That's the first point. Why the long way, pastor? Because that's the way God builds character in you. He builds obedience in you. He builds perseverance in you. He takes the long way around. Now in Deuteronomy, page 180. The other three points. The first point is, why the long way? Because it's where he builds character. He builds obedience in your life. 
But here, God gets more explicit why he took them the long way around. And I want you to see it, and then we'll make the three more points, and then we're going to be done. He says, the whole, the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, live and multiply, and go and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Okay, verse 2. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness to do what? That he may humble you, testing you to know that was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Verse 3, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That was the second point why God takes the long way. Here it is. The long way is the process whereby God produces humility in us. You ever been in the presence of a person who has no humility? It's always them. They got themselves to where they are. It's their education. It's, it's them. And what God does in this wilderness process of life from the Egypt to the promised land is that he breaks us down. He brings humility in us. You don't wake up in the morning and just get humility. God has to work on us because part of what Egypt is is self-centeredness. Everything is about me. This is why people can't stay married. We're too selfish. People sure can't stay married for a long time. Someone has to be humble to admit that they have faults and failures. So God brought them the long way. So he says that he may humble them. The posture of being authentic and vulnerable. God wants that. The long way reminds us that it was not us that got us where we are. That it was all God in his grace and his mercy that has kept us and brought us to the promised land. The short way, the quick and easy path make us think that we did it by our own strength and that we got to where we are by our own power, our own strategic strategy. I'm going to be a social media influencer. Huh? On what? You see, I see that stuff everywhere. Where is this stuff coming from? How about just learning how to build, budget your money? Let's start with that one. Just learning how to be a good tither. Just learning how to work a job for 10 years first, and then come back and tell me how you did it. I'm going to be a social media influencer at 21. What have you learned by 21? <laughs> How to use your parents' money? <laughs> See, you, we're not thinking. <laughs> but what God does, he takes us a long way to humble you. 
if you learn to understand his grace and mercy. Third point. The long way, this is deep now, I'm going to go deep on this one. The long way exposes the deep Egyptian sinfulness that is in our hearts. Remember what God says here, look at verse 2. And you should remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he may humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart. Now just come back to this myself, the communion, you don't know what's in your heart. I keep saying this. I will make this promise, even though I may not be here pastoring. In 10 years, some of you will commit sins that you never thought you would ever do. You don't know what's in your heart. And the reason why God takes the long way, because God is exposing all this sinfulness in us, all this Egyptian that we've been conformed by, so he takes you the long way so he can work it out so you don't become a senior pastor and you just blow it all up because you never allow God to deal with your lust issues, your hard-heartedness. You don't think God's been breaking me down over these last 30 years? I was 46 when I came to plant this church. 46. So he works in that time behind the scenes. God uses a long way of discipleship to reveal what is in his children's heart through situations and circumstances. To see how we react to them, how we will respond. Circumstances don't make a person, they reveal the person. This process of discipleship helps us all to see our hearts. Therefore, we are able to better relate and disciple other people out of the same sinful Egyptian traits that we all once exhibited. This is why when you walk through the process, you're able to relate to anybody. Any fair feeling. Because you know God has been humbling you. You are where you are because of the grace of God. And now you understand when you're talking to a young couple, you say, man, you can look at the husband and say, look, but come here. You are everything much more than what your wife is saying. You are a bad person. You are a selfish ass. Don't let me say it. You are a video game loving nutcracker. You are all of that. He's like, why do you know? Because I had it. That's what makes you become a good discipler because you see yourself and then you're able to relate to others who struggle with the same sins. Some of y'all have been recently married. Some of you are about to get married. Let me give you a heads up. Marriage will reveal your deepest sinfulness. You don't realize how much we've been shaped by Egypt. Egypt is all about us. And we and you and I, we bring these sins of Egypt into the marriage. We bring these sinful proclivities of our parents. We respond just like our parents did and maybe still do. And so we don't even realize it. God says, look, you, I'm trying to get Egypt out of you. Not everything your parents did was righteous. 
My mom and dad used to fight like Ali and Spinks and curse and call each other names. And I remember when God revealed to me one day I was walking in a circle and I was cleaning, doing just like my mom. And God said, you can't keep doing this. And I was calling that woman who I love with everything within me as though she was not my wife. And I saw my mama because that's what I saw growing up. And God says, you got to stop this. And some of you, you're not getting the memo. You're doing exactly what your parents are doing, have done. Some of your parents didn't want to go to the promised land. And they got the marriage that they got. Doesn't mean you have to stay there. So I stopped that day and calling my wife and her names. I said, Lord, help me. I don't want to do that no more. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. It's in a long way where God is, he takes years to work out our salvation and sanctification unto righteousness. The long way is where God addresses this, this lack of work ethic that some of us have. It's where God it teaches us how to be faithful and committed under, over a period of, of time. Just how to stick in the things. It's where God is working all that stuff out. It's where God is working on your money issues. I remember when God told me when I come into ministry, he says, you got to get money under control. I have an 800, what's the top of credit score you can get? I got 850. I'm not bragging. You can't be in ministry and have a 250. God wants to work out of you now how to handle your money. Stop spending so much. Learn how to budget. Knowing how to, when not to buy, when to buy. When to pay your bills on time. That has a lot to do with what God is trying to do in us in the process to the promised land. So when you are in that position, you're not tempted to steal. Do you not think a person who has a 250 score that's in ministry, what are the chances they make fake money? Probably pretty high. God is working on relationship issues. Man, we come out of Egypt messed up. I ain't never going to forgive them. And God said, huh? We know that don't happen in two days. So God is working on relationship issues like unforgiveness. Some of us are avoiding conflict. We just don't want to have a good conversation, whether it be with our spouse or with family members or whatever. A lot of us, we got hidden anger. We got resentment. That's where God takes is taking all this. He's, he's taking all this to reveal, to show what's in our hearts. He don't show that stuff in one day. You wouldn't be able to handle it. He does it over time. He's showing you stuff about yourself. And when you get married, it just becomes even more. You're like, whoa. And it's all true. On both sides. It's not just the husband or just the wife. It's just it's what it is. We're sinful people. And then the fourth point here is this. The long way pr process develops a heart that lives and abides on nothing but the eternal word of God. That we come to understand that neither food nor clothing or any material things are more importantly than the word of God. And that's what he's trying to say in verse 3. He says, um, and he humbled you and to let you hunger. He let you hunger and he fed you with manna which you did not know. 
nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He says, I want you to know that I'm your everything, that I'm your true substance. It's hard to handle prosperity and wealth and health uh, if God hasn't worked this stuff in you because you'll get to the promised land and you'll blow it up. Because all of that hubris, that pride, that self-reliance, and God says, I've done all of this so that you might not, that you come to know. No matter where you got a bigger house or smaller car, you're driving a hoopty or you're driving a brand new Toyota 4 Runner 2024. No miles on it. You know, it's in him I live and move and have my very being. It's not the Toyota 4 Runner. So I come to the communion table. Turn with me to page 989, Matthew 26. I'm about to do the communion meal. So, I made a statement. I said, on his way to the promised land, even Moses, he smite the rock, he got angry. There was all kind of sin being revealed in that 40 years. They grumbled, they complained. They wanted to go back to Egypt multiple times. And we are the same. We, as soon as something go wrong, I want to go back to Egypt. Because Egypt is what we know. It's how we've been raised. This is how we've done things. We just, we know Egypt. Egypt is the falling state of humanity. It's what we know. It's the broad way. But God has, the promised land is the narrow way. Very few people make it there. The Bible's trying to tell you that. Not everyone that left Egypt got to the promised land. God had to let a whole generation die out. And so, but I made a statement, and I want you all to hear me, young people. In this life, God is going to reveal things in you that you don't even know you will do right now. He did that to me. And one of the days, my wife and I will share what that was. You're going to be shocked. Pastor Alton. Yeah, Pastor Alton. And God allowed it. Sandra and I was talking about this the other day. Part of it, I just, it, 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 it broke me because I said to myself, I will never do that sin. And yeah, I did. And I was a Christian. Loved Jesus. I said, God, how did I do that? God said, you didn't know what was in you. And a good thing I had this because this is what this reminds us. And so I said that for a reason. You would do things. Some of y'all are going to mess up your marriages. Some, it just, it's part of it's because you don't know what's in you. That's why God is trying to address these things now. So here in Matthew 26, coming to the Lord's table, starting at verse 16. Um, no, verse 26. Now, as they were eating, remember, last, the fourth point was, God does all of this in Egypt so that you would come to know that man doesn't live by bread alone. 
but by every word that proceeded from the mouth of the Lord. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, he broke it. He broke the bread. and He gave it to his disciples. He's serving them communion. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink it, it, all of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So Jesus is serving them communion, his, his disciples. I'm going to serve communion to y'all here today. He says, I tell you, I want to drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it, drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. That's the great supper of the lamb that will all be there. All the all the bride of Jesus at the table with the true queen. So he's serving them communion. They are his children. He's called them, saved them. They've been called out of their Egypt. He's assigned to them their calling, their purpose. They're, they're becoming apostles. They were born for it. He chose them. Now look what happens. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus said to them, remember, he knows everything. You will all fall away. You will all make mistakes along this journey of the promised land. You all betray God in many ways. You'll hurt your spouses. You'll do sins that you never thought was in you. Jesus says, you will all fall away on me. He just served them communion. You're my children. I love you from all eternity. But know this, you will falter and fall and sin and do things that you never thought was in your heart. You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee and look at Peter. And Peter answered him, I'm never going to betray you. I'm never going to mess up on my man. I'm never going to just, I'm just going to always do it right. I'm just going to always, I got it all together. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I know it's grace and mercy, but it's a lot of PA in me too. I, I don't, I'm not going to fall away. Them guys going to fall away. They going to mess up because they ain't the real deal anyway. But I am Jesus. We know the story. I will never fall away, he says. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And it wasn't just Peter. And all the disciples said the same. <laughs> yeah, we got it, Jesus. Jesus says, there are going to be moments in your life where this here 
you would think it's for it's a favor. And you will come back here on Sundays. I may not be here. I may be with the Lord in glory. And whoever is serving the communion that day, you have to be reminded of this message. You say, I fell away, man. I didn't know I was going to do this. And I'm going to come. And one of the elders is going to come and say, brother, you got to. He knew eternity past what he was going to do. That's why he's so slow in taking us the long way to humble us, to break us. So when you do commit those sins, you all remember the gospel. You remember what he did. You remember that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. So let's come and take and serve at this time. Father, bless these elements as we come. Now, today, you're going to come and take the elements and go back to your seats, and we're going to take a time, about a minute or so, of just reflecting on what I've just said, and then we'll eat all the elements. Now, as you guys are coming, and I forgot to do this, but just keep on coming. Um, this meal is for those who come to put their faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm assuming if you're coming today, you're taking up this cup, eating up this bread, that you profess to be a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you don't have any intention of living for Jesus, then I would say to you, do not take up these elements, because the Bible says if you do that, you bring damnation on yourself. This is for people who or in the fight, they're on their way to the promised land, they're in Bible study, they're in a small church group, and they're sincerely trying to live for God. And so if that's you, then you are welcome to the table. But if you say, I don't believe, I don't know if I hold to this Jesus Christ thing, I'm not there yet, Pastor, then I would ask that you to refrain and stay in your seats, and we can meet with one of the elders, and we would love to talk with you and to explain to you who Jesus is, and why and what this meal re represents. It's not for perfect people, perfect Christians. It's for his children who struggle and fight against sin in this short life to the promised land. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow, no other fountain.
Nothing but the blood of Jesus for my cleansing. This I see. Nothing but the blood of Jesus for my pardon. This my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can my sin erase. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of works, tis all of grace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, and all oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that in this time of reflection, as we've heard your message, Whatever it was that Adam put us into, it has impacted us all. This thing called sin has marred our image, our identities. And Lord, we confess that we are messed up people. But we also confess here today We've come to understand that you are the true bread of life and that we live and get our real sustenance from you and not in the things around us and not from people. And you've given to us this meal to remind us no matter how far we might fall away, and sometimes we will, you give us the story of the people of God. They continually want to turn back to Egypt. And some did. Now, Lord, as we come to take of this communion here today, remind us that you save us not because we will live a perfect life. You saved us because we are yours. And this meal reminds us that you have finalized the deal. You've sealed us in your love in your grace. And so brothers, as we eat the sisters of this bread, as we reflect it, some of us, you know, 
God loves us. That's why he takes the long way around. He does want you to obey him. He wants you to, to do what's right in his sight. Marriage is a beautiful thing. I'll tell you this as one who's been on both sides. When you come to understand what God had for you, you're going to cry a boatload of tears. And Satan will make sure you see what sexual sin has done to your marriage and to your life and to your children. And you're grown. Sandra and I can tell you that. But if you're young here today and you're messing around, I would tell you, get married, do it the right way. Don't keep heaping up all of this brokenness. And so when you take this meal, that's why we say examine yourself. Come into the fullness of the promised land. Don't keep playing around with Egypt. Leave Egypt behind. So brothers and sisters, take this meal. Jesus knows that we will back and forth. But he makes covenant. Don't we break covenant. We break covenant in our marriages, in our relationship. When things go bad, we leave. We get out. Leave the church, whatever. Jesus never does that. In fact, he says, I give you this wine. It's a covenant of my love. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you when you need me the most. When you feel like I'm, you've, you've sinned so bad, he's just not going to run away. He's fully aware of his guilt. And so, brothers and sisters, as you take this wine, just drink knowing that he has made covenant love with you today. Let us all stand. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for um, everything we, you are doing in us and through us here at Urban Hope. Bless us now as we stand to receive the benediction. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining Urban Hope Community Church's podcast. For more sermons and additional resources, please visit our website at urbanhopecc.com.